Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we have a fairly short psalm with number 54. To the choir master, with stringed instruments a masculine of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, Is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name, and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Salah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Yahweh, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. This is the word of the Lord. So our context here of the this hymn, this psalm, to the choir master, so to be sung, but at the same time stringed instruments, and it's a masculine, which again seems to be a particularly skillful piece. But we're given actual context around it, that this occurs when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? And since our psalm is so short today, let me go ahead and just read that to you. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to start verse 14b. Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before Yahweh. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hakalah, which is south of Jeshimon? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by Yahweh, for you have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there, for it is told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you, and if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph, ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah, to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, 
So he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. The account that will follow into 1 Samuel chapter 24 after is the the account of Saul going into the cave to relieve himself. David was hiding there, cuts off a corner of the robe. He's able to show Saul that he could have taken his life, but he didn't. He's not out to harm Saul, so forth. But that gives you the context. These men, the men of Ziph, have sided with King Saul against King David, the Lord's anointed. They both have that role, but the Lord has rejected Saul and chosen to make David king instead in his place. Even Jonathan, the son of Saul, who would normally, under different circumstances, become the the next man on the throne, even Jonathan recognizes it. Now, Horish, by the way, is about five miles south of Hebron, so we are in the southern part of Israel, the, the land of Judah, for this. And these Ziphites, again, they go to Saul, they report it. And notice Saul's response, May you be blessed by Yahweh. For what? For handing over a man to be killed? Saul reveals again, yet again, that he has no clue who Yahweh is or what Yahweh desires. May God bless you for giving up to me, the guy that he wants to be king. Just doesn't make any sense. But Saul continues to try to fashion a God in his own image. Much like what Peter wrongly says to Christ when he rebukes Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, as Jesus says that he's going to die. And Peter's response is, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus has to respond, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So here's our context. It puts us in the very late 11th century B.C. as Saul will reign over Israel from 1048 until 1008 B.C. So this is likely going to be in the latter years of that at some point, although... Not a, an exact date, probably, that we can pin down. Save me by your name. David prays to God for God's salvation, recognizing that Saul is seeking to take his life. Not only does he pray for salvation, he also prays for vindication. Literally in the Hebrew, by your power, bring justice to me. Bring me justice, maybe would be the best way to phrase that. David has not done wrong to Saul. Judge between me and Saul. Saul and me. Judge between us. Who is right? Vindicate David, for he has not done the wrong that he is being put to death for, sought to be put to death for. Hear my prayer, give ear to the word of my mouth. So, again, prayer of David, beseeching God, whom he has appointed king. God has appointed David king over Israel. Defend me. Verse 3, strangers have risen against me. That's the Ziphites. They do not set God before themselves. That's a first commandment thing, right? They have in mind their own things, and they are not placing God as the first and foremost. If they were, they wouldn't be offering up David's life. 
they wouldn't be offering to find him and trap him. But, verse 4, Behold, God is my helper, the Lord is the upholder of my life. Fantastic family question. Of whom shall we be afraid? This verse reminded me of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, where the unknown preacher says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Here is King David. He's on the run. He's on the run for his very life. And what does he say? God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. That's confidence. To know that no matter what Saul is plotting, no matter what Saul may do, David is in the palm of God's hand. God will care for him, no matter what that might look like. And that is our confidence as well. John chapter 10, verse 28, that we are in the palm of God's hand and nobody can snatch us from it. Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. We're his. And we need not fear sin, death, or the devil because none of them can snatch us away from God. In fact, death only brings us closer because death in that moment, well, it sends us to the the Father's judgment throne. And as Christians, we know what we will hear from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Come, enter into the joy of your master. We don't have to be afraid. Because if the world kills us, God will raise us. David seems to share this confidence. If the Lord is upholding it, what man can tear it down? That's also Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus upholds the entire universe by the power of his word. He will return the evil to my enemies, so David knows, he's confident that God will respond, God will defend him, and King Saul eventually will indeed be struck down. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. There's definitely nothing in the scriptures to indicate to us that we will see Saul in paradise someday as one who has rejected God as king. And so David, already knowing these things to be true, knowing that God is his helper, knowing that the Lord upholds him, knowing that in faithfulness eventually the Lord will do what the Lord has has promised, David offers thanksgiving. He thanks God in advance because God's name is good. And we know that name to be Jesus, right? The name of Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And we give thanks. We have not experienced that in its fullness yet, have we? We still wait for the day when Christ returns and we no longer taste sin and death and pain and suffering. But at the same time, we know now that we are forgiven. We know now that a future awaits, that there is hope, that there is a resurrection. And so we go ahead, we give thanks. We give thanks to the Lord in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, He has delivered me from every trouble 
and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Another good family conversation. How is verse 7 also true today? Not just for David, but for us. How is it that we too can sing this psalm? God has delivered us. Again, Jesus has saved us from sin, death, and the devil. And we can look in triumph on them. It means we can look at death and know that it is not the end. We can know of the resurrection promise. We can look at the devil and know that his accusations, though once they were painful darts, now they are empty. Because Christ lives, and the devil has been defeated. Thanks be to God. Praise me.